Welcome to Committing Faith in Public. This is the podcast for people who want to be inspired by individuals and communities of faith doing good work in public. Our guests tell stories of their work of weaving a more just, kind, and diversity-inclusive society. Our starting place for stories is Oklahoma because that is where we live, and because many people, both in Oklahoma and beyond, are surprised when they learn that interreligious-friendly, pro-democracy, diversity-welcoming, public good-oriented religion even exists in Oklahoma. So through this podcast, we're spreading good news and encouraging you in your faith and public life work. I'm Gary paluso Verden, President Emeritus at Phillips Theological Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and working on the Religion in Public Life initiative for the seminary. Welcome. I'm here today with the Reverend Dr. Ray Owens. Uh, Ray is the senior pastor of Metropolitan Baptist Church here in Tulsa, and he also is the. Are you the executive director of the Met, Met Cares? So or? the Met Cares Foundation. I am the chairman of the board for the Met Cares okay. Foundation. Yeah. Good. He's also an affiliate faculty member yeah. here at Phillips Theological Seminary. Yep. Um, and Ray, I'm so glad to have you on today. Thanks, Gary. Great. Great. I want to talk about the uh, Greenwood Leadership Academy, yep. which is the private-public partnership uh, charter school yep. that the Met founded, um, exactly. or the Met Cares founded, the foundation yep. founded. But first, I'd like to let our listeners know a little bit about Metropolitan Baptist Church. What, how, what's your elevator speech for yeah. somebody who's never heard about the Met so before? The Metropolitan Baptist Church is uh, over a century old. It's mm. been around since 1917. In fact, we started uh, in a Basement, basement of an apartment building. Okay. So we say we've moved from uh, a basement to the church on the hill okay. uh, in 100 years. So it's been around a long time. Uh-huh. I've been there 14 years. Oh, it will be 14 years uh, in December. Wow, I didn't uh, know it had been that yeah, long. Yeah, it's been yeah. a little while. Yeah. It's a growing, vibrant church, intergenerational, uh, people from all sectors of greater Tulsa. Um, and it's just been a wonderful place uh, to be planted and work and, and grow. And so, yeah, we also go by now uh, the Met Church. We have a little nickname. So the official name, of course, is the Metropolitan Baptist Church. But uh, mm-hmm. people know us in Tulsa as the Met. And I've heard you describe the worship format there as uh, uh, Bapticostal. Yeah, um, yeah. What does that mean? Exactly. So it is a blend of kind of the the Baptist church worship flow and what I call kind of a Neo-Pentecostal feel as well. So there's a very charismatic component to Mm -hmm. the worship Mm -hmm. experience. We engage in the traditional kind of call and response that's... um, you know, very familiar in uh, kind of the black church tradition. So if mm-hmm. the preacher is preaching, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the preacher doesn't mm-hmm. just preach. People mm-hmm. have to talk back to mm-hmm. the preacher. Because yep. uh, he or she always needs to hear somebody say amen or say it. So, yeah, it is a place where, you know, we are not afraid to make some noise and clap our hands and uh, lots of uh, use of your body and worship, uh-huh. lifting uh-huh. up hands. So, uh, yeah, very kind of neo-Pentecostal 
field. Interestingly, I uh, grew up in a similar church down in Austin, Texas, and we called ourselves Baptocostal. We um, identify as a Baptist church, uh, but certainly there is a Pentecostal feel to to the Met experience, Uh for sure. And I don't know if Ray could say this, but I'm going to say it's got one of the most enviable staffs uh, 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 around uh, and fantastic musicians. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it is a great team. That is one of the things that I have been really proud of in these 14 years is the church has attracted some phenomenal uh, talent. We lost uh, just mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. one yeah, of our, I you know, know. Uh, know, rock stars in Reverend Alexis Carter, who uh, married uh, my friend and uh, our colleague here at, at Phillips Seminary. So so we did experience a, a, a major loss yeah. there, but yeah. we've got some great people uh, doing some good work at the, at the Met Church. Certainly under your leadership, yeah. it seems that uh, the Met is a public-facing kind of church. Very I mean, much They're so. very much in the, in the community. Yep. Does that predate you, or is that something that you brought along or have emphasized? Mm-hmm. So it, that does predate me. My predecessor, his name was uh, Henry L. Collier. He was the second African-American firefighter in the city of Tulsa. Huh? Okay. Very active, active in the NAACP, uh-huh. um, and was one of the trailblazers in this city. Uh, and, of course, the church was very much behind uh, his public life. He and his wife both were pretty much public figures. She was the principal for a very long time of uh, the historic Booker T. Washington High School here uh, okay. in Tulsa right, right. and was one of the people who helped to oversee the integration uh, process for that school in the 70s and, of mm-hmm. course, into the mm-hmm. 80s. So mm-hmm. they were both very much public figures, and the church was very involved. So when I came, we became more intentional about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, our public, you know, facing orientation. We, in fact, documented this as a part of our strategic vision for who we were to become um, and look to make sure that the church is highly visible in the community, uh, deeply engaged, mm-hmm. uh, is a place that mm-hmm. listens to the needs of the community. In fact, when we built the building that we're in now, that was in December of 2011, okay. I think it was, okay. uh, that we went there. One of the commitments we made to this community, particularly in North Tulsa, that this building would not just be a place for Sunday morning worship and Wednesday night Bible study and activities for kids who are members of the church, that it would be one of the hubs of North Tulsa, hmm. the place hmm. where uh, people congregate for all kinds of purposes mm-hmm. From uh, political engagement, we've mm-hmm. hosted mm-hmm. A, a debate uh, between the candidates for the state superintendent's position, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, mm-hmm. we are the voting precinct. So today mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. an election voting day mm-hmm. here in Tulsa. So mm-hmm. the church is open uh, as we speak, and uh, that's the place where people in this particular uh, precinct are, are voting. So we've been very intentional about making sure that the church is an outward facing uh entity. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Well, one of those outward facing uh uh enterprises certainly mm-hmm. is the school. Yeah. Um and before we get to the school per se, um I if I remember correctly, you were involved in some way in Teach for America. Yeah. Um and, and so tell us a little bit about that and and how that might have affected yep. Your sense of uh, either um, being equipped or being yeah. called yeah. Uh, to uh, uh, be in leadership with the congregation about a, a public school yeah. start. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I actually uh, am a charter member of the Teach for America wow. Corps, in okay, fact. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wear that as a badge of honor. Uh, when uh, Wendy Kopp started Teach for America, she uh, had a small team of people who put together a recruitment strategy to bring uh, at least 500 recent college graduates together in okay. Los Angeles to train in order to go out and teach in some of our nation's most underserved, under-resourced public schools. So mm-hmm. I was one of the original mm-hmm. 500. Teach for America was still very much in uh, its incipient stages, and we were still figuring things out. So I taught for two years in South Central L.A. I was a first-grade mm-hmm. teacher, mm-hmm. and then actually went on to work for Teach for America for the next three years in okay. fund development okay. and re- recruitment and uh, selection. I headed up the re- recruitment and selection team uh, for a couple of years, in fact. And that all happened right before going to seminary. One of the commitments that Teach for America core members are asked to make is to commit oneself to a lifelong interest in and advocacy for uh, public education, Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, under-resourced schools. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that even after teaching for two years, uh, men and women who come out of the core uh, are expected to always stay involved in some way in this work, whether one is a lawyer or a doctor or a preacher, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for that Mm -hmm. matter. Many of us have maintained a commitment to either volunteering uh, in uh, schools or serving on uh, school boards. Many of uh, Teach for America alum have been elected to school board seats. I actually serve on the Tulsa Tech uh, school board, in fact. And so it's a part of our DNA, if you Mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. Well, that led me to after um, seminary and uh, even my first uh, call here as a regular tenure track faculty to uh, Phillips to really think seriously about how my call in ministry might intersect with my passion for improving educational outcomes for uh, for kids in, in mm. public schools. Mm. In fact, I uh, looked at this very question with my dissertation. I looked at the intersection between African-American understanding of religion and African-Americans participation in uh, their educational pursuits. And I saw okay. uh, lots of uh, instances in our in our um, tradition where black people viewed education as some sort of with some sort of religious zeal. In fact, one of the examples I often use is uh, comes from W.E.D. B. Du Bois's book where he refers to education as the pathway to Canaan. So if you'll read mm, that throughout mm, there, there are mm, all these mm, times mm. where he's connecting mm. the idea of education with and uses a religious language mm-hmm. to describe mm-hmm. the pursuit of education. And so uh, that led me to once I became the pastor of the Metropolitan Church uh, to make education and public education in particular a major major part of our outreach work, which led us to a conversation about what can we as the church do to improve educational outcomes for kids, especially African-American kids in North Tulsa. And that's uh, basically the work of the the MetCares Foundation. And so was the foundation created in order to uh, facilitate the school project? Yeah. So, well, it really started 
the first year uh, that I was the pastor of the Metropolitan Church, I um, asked the congregation to make a pledge to a local school. At that time, okay. it was the KIPP school, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a pledge of $30,000 and um, 1000 volunteer hours. And we worked wow. to do that over uh, the course of three years. And, and that, you know, sort of uh, put us in the position where people refer to the Met Church as the education church, because we were okay. deeply concerned okay. about uh, educational outcomes for our kids. Well, in 2014 then, uh, I hosted at the church a meeting where we invited 125 African-American leaders to come and uh, hear the data around educational outcomes on the national level and educational outcomes in North Tulsa. And some of the data that we were uh, introduced to was incredibly disturbing. Mm-hmm. And we left mm-hmm. there uh, both outraged and optimistic because we realized that we had in our community resources to be able to turn that around. So we asked the group to come back three months later. And uh, that time we brought in a number of national figures, the former chancellor of D.C. Public Schools, Michelle Ree, who is also mm-hmm. a Teach for America mm-hmm. uh, alum and a personal friend, uh, her husband, who is then the mayor of Sacramento, Kevin Johnson, who also played uh, for Phoenix uh, in the right. NBA for a right. while. And both are education uh, advocates, and they helped me to bring together a panel of folk from all over the country uh, to, to look at educational outcomes and consider what the African-American community, particularly black churches, might do to participate in the process of increasing academic outcomes for kids. Well, the second meeting, there were over 300 people there, wow. Wow. and okay. we left uh, with the resolve that we would identify 15 people who would spend, um, I think we had a year, 15 people who would spend a year traveling the nation to look at high-performing schools in under-resourced, uh-huh. low-income uh-huh. African-American uh-huh. communities. And, uh-huh. and then we kind of came up with a white paper that kind of outlined the best practices okay. uh, that we okay. gleaned from this uh, year-long uh, fact-finding tour. And from that, we developed the model for the Greenwood Leadership Academy, and we are in the third year uh, of that school. We started with pre-K to first grade. Each year, we add a grade, so now we're up to third grade, so we have pre-K uh, to uh, third grade, and we have uh, just over 300 kids uh, in the school. Wow, 300 yeah, kids already. Yeah, absolutely. And are you, are you adding a, a year each year? We add a grade every year. So mm-hmm. next year we should add uh, the fourth grade. And then the idea is that we will phase in G- GLA, we call it, and the school that once uh, was in that building uh, will phase out and we will uh, ultimately uh, run our own school the Greenwood Leadership Academy there uh, in that building. One of the great things that we've seen already is the community involvement and community buy-in for Greenwood Leadership Academy has actually led to a uh, dramatic increase in student enrollment there. We inherited a school that was the, um, had the highest opt-out rate of any Tulsa public Uh, schools uh uh, in, uh, in the TPS system. Families were choosing to send their kids to other places, private schools. For those who uh, had the transportation, they were 
taking their uh, kids across town to mm-hmm. other schools. We mm-hmm. actually saw a 66% increase in families returning to hmm. this uh, hmm. building, hmm. largely because from day one, uh, and that was uh, the first meeting on Juneteenth of 2014, we were listening to the desires, the hopes of community members about what they wanted to see in a school. One of the things that came out is that people wanted a school that reflected and embodied what we call black excellence. Mm-hmm. We live right. in, a, in a city where, you know, there is a incredible history of black excellence, black wealth, black uh, solidarity, black folk who built a community at the early part of the 20th century that mm-hmm. was self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had ho- their own hotels and law firms and a movie theater, many other uh, parts of uh, Oklahoma were even very well developed. And of course, we know that in 1921, the right. race massacre led to the near annihilation right. of that right. incredible community. So what we heard from families uh, in North Tulsa is that we want to rebuild that kind mm-hmm. of system mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. black people are the ones making decisions about the curriculum, about what uh Parts of history uh, need to be told about, uh, and actually one of the, the the features of the school is it's focused on business and entrepreneurship. And so that's mm-hmm. why we picked our colors, mm-hmm. navy and, and gray. We want our kids to be thinking about business, even mm-hmm. when they are four mm-hmm. years old. What, mm-hmm. How uh, do I position myself? Should I decide that's what I want to do as an adult to own my own business and create mm-hmm. jobs for others in our community? And so that's um, the vision, and and people feel like they see their fingerprints on the uh, design of the school, and uh, because of that, they have bought in, and and we've seen a real uptick in in enrollment. That's great. So, what's the relationship between this school and Tulsa Public Schools? Yeah, so that's and that points to a very interesting. Uh, structure that we created. It is actually, Greenwood Leadership Academy is actually a partnership school. So we are a hybrid between uh, a charter school. So we're not a charter school. A charter school is totally independent. Those kids in charter schools are not Tulsa Public Schools students, right? Charter school has uh, has autonomy to run its own program, hire its own teachers, the downside is when a child goes to a charter school, that child is no longer in the TPS portfolio. Okay. So that's the charter. Then there are the district schools like Eisenhower and Mayo. Mm-hmm. They are run by the district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and between that, we have Greenwood Leadership Academy, which is a partnership school. So we have the autonomy of the charter school, but our kids are actually still registered as Tulsa Public Schools students. So Tulsa Public Schools enrollment is not negatively Mm -hmm. impacted by uh, a kid coming to our school. That's a big story in Tulsa right now because of the $20 million of cuts that the public school is trying to make uh, in order to get its budget in line. And that's directly related to not only the underfunding at the legislative level for many years, but also the declining enrollment in Tulsa Public Schools. Exactly. So a big deal. I mean, we're still figuring out uh, the kind of protocols of a partnership school, but I think there is some real value here. One of the things that I appreciate about this uh, structure is that we are able to 
access the resources that Tulsa mm-hmm. Public School mm-hmm. has from its mm-hmm. transportation mm-hmm. system to food mm-hmm. services. We uh, have a facility. So uh, charters oftentimes have to figure out their own transportation, mm-hmm. their own find mm-hmm. a building. Uh, and, you know, it's very costly in a, in a state like Oklahoma where our per pupil allotment is, is uh, woefully low comparatively. Right. Right. It's it's very hard mm-hmm. to um, use those limited resources to build uh, a system outside of the existing mm-hmm. district system. So, mm-hmm. Is um, Greenwood the only partnership school at this point? It is the point? first and the only first. partnership school in the state of Oklahoma. Okay. In fact, uh, the legislation uh, that was passed, uh, that was probably – in about uh, 2014 or so, um, was pushed through largely by the previous superintendent, uh, Keith Ballard, Ballard, who was interested mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Uh, this model as a way to protect uh, the enrollment of uh, the school district. And so uh, it's you know somewhat of a pilot at this point, uh-huh. but I'm sure many of us are hopeful that there will be others that will come into the partnership umbrella. So where are you at in realizing the vision for what you wanted the school to be? And then I'd like to follow up with what's gone as you expected and what has um, created some new and interesting challenges. Yeah. Yeah. So this is year three for the school. And to give some context, the the MetCares Foundation, one of the things we learned in our fact-finding tour from Sacramento to Harlem and lots of places in between Hmm. is that we – did not want to create a great school and just plant it in a blighted community. Great Mm. schools don't Mm. happen in Mm. a vacuum. Mm. We wanted our kids to be in a community that was vibrant and thriving and the aesthetics were Mm -hmm. appealing. Mm -hmm. So we formed the organization to focus on three work streams. One is great schools. The second is community engagement and Mm -hmm. ownership. So Mm -hmm. there's Mm-hmm. There's the community organizing work that has led to incredible community involvement in kind of the design for our school and the future of the organization. But the third is economic development. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have a parcel of land that we plan to develop. It's 23 acres. We call it MCF 23. 23 acres where we will anchor that with a school and there will be housing and a retail component. So that's the larger vision. Where we've made it so far is we have opened the first uh, school. We hope to open the second school in 2022. Uh, This is the third year of School One, Greenwood Mm -hmm. Leadership Academy. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I said, the good news is our our enrollment numbers Mm -hmm. are -hmm. are strong, Mm -hmm. uh, solid. Uh, We have Phenomenal community buy-in and support every time we go up for renewal. Our parents and our um, other stakeholders show up in large numbers to say, yes, we continue to believe in Greenwood Leadership Academy. What hasn't gone the way I had hoped and certainly what hasn't gone the way I'd expected has a lot to do with staff turnover. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. we really have to address the 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 talent pool crisis mm-hmm. in our state and frankly the uh, way we value and compensate educators um, and these so, would be all TPS yeah. employees well so our, our employees at Greenwood Leadership Academy they are actually Met Cares okay. employees so that is the distinction like a charter school we hire and fire our teachers and they set work, the salaries or is set that, the salaries okay. mm-hmm. uh, we have yeah we are. Uh, have autonomy with salary. So we actually can pay uh, 
little bit more competitive okay. salaries okay. Uh, than uh, the district school, for example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we we get to embrace those kinds of freedoms in mm-hmm. the same way that charters uh, mm-hmm. charters do. But yeah, even with that, uh, we've seen you know incredible staff turnover. We had a dynamic team day one. People were so excited about this vision and the work, but it's hard work, and mm-hmm. we've. We've been open three years, and the principal that we have, this is our third principal. Oh, gee. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah, been tough. That's hard. That's yeah. hard. And uh, teachers uh, have come and, and gone, and so we've had to struggle with you know, finding new teachers mm-hmm. in the middle of the year. I mean, this is something that you know districts and mm-hmm. charters uh, all uh, face, but it's, it's real, and it's, it has a negative impact on our mm-hmm ability to perform the way that we want to perform. Mm-hmm. We feel like in year three, we've kind of hit our stride. Okay. And we have a fairly solid staff that we think will stay with us uh, over uh, the long haul. And so we're really, really hopeful there and praying that that, uh, that is the case. I, I would think that starting a public school is not for the faint-hearted. No. no <laughs> it is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. The year one was crazy. I mean, just learning how to open a school and and all the factors related to, you know, just day one of the school. I mean, the kids don't know where to go and parents don't know where to drop their mm-hmm. kids off. And mm-hmm. I mean, there were days where it was pure chaos mm-hmm. uh, and we worked very hard uh, to be prepared. A good friend of mine said, well, the good news is you'll never have to go through year one again with this school because, <laughs> right. you know, you spend the first year figuring out how to run a school. We did. We learned how to run a school. Year two, there was you know, incredible improvement. Year three, it looks like a different place. I mean, kids, you know, seem to understand the culture of the building and there is strong evidence of real uh-huh. order uh-huh. <laughs> in the uh-huh. school. So that's that's. Great. That's great. If a, another religious organization, church, mosque, synagogue, yeah. if they were interested in putting together a, a partnership school mm-hmm. also, what advice would you have for them? Engage in deep community uh, listening sessions. I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to hear from the people whose children will populate your school. I think that's the strength of the MetCare's uh, work. We really did take our time. By now, we have had one-on-one or small group meetings with over 1,600 North Tulsa Uh, individuals. I mean, and many of those have been Mm -hmm. one-on-one. We have a great Mm -hmm. uh, young man. uh, His name is Greg Robinson, worked for two uh, presidential campaigns, Clinton campaign, Hillary Clinton's campaign, uh, and Barack Obama's campaign, and some other local uh, Mm -hmm. campaigns Mm -hmm. before that. So he's a hometown boy, grew up in North Tulsa. When Hillary Clinton campaign was ended. It was about the time we were about to open up Greenwood Leadership Academy. We, Academy, we uh, recruited him to do our community organizing work. A little mm-hmm. different from mm-hmm. political mm-hmm. Uh, organizing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's got all the right stuff mm-hmm. uh, to like make this work happen. So mm-hmm. you need somebody who's going to lead the effort to really okay. hear from people uh, in the community. It means sitting down with parents. It means sitting down with caregivers and and potential uh, staff and teachers. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the, that's the, 
biggest lesson that I've learned mm-hmm. is that people need to feel like they've been heard. Mm-hmm. And when they are, then they will stand with you through not only, you know, the celebration days, but the really difficult days, because we have had some very hard days um, at uh, at Greenwood Leadership Academy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, we've made some some mistakes, some missteps. Uh, and I think in a different setting, uh, the school would not have survived some of the some of the hard uh, hits that have happened uh, there. But because people really feel like this is our project mm-hmm. and and we're going to stand with it and we're going to you know work to fix it we've been able to weather some some incredible storms hmm. yeah. and how has your job changed since your job as senior pastor changed yeah. since has since since taking this on for two years it was just unbelievable i mean the the workload and frankly it just became you know just physically draining mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. try to push this work forward, the Greenwood Leadership Academy and MetCare's work, because I had become the face of mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. work and was responsible for the fundraising mm-hmm. and uh, not necessarily producing you know, all the documents and the application, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. for the uh, partnership school, which was 408 pages. We had great people and do have great people who do that, but just the oversight, reading everything, mm-hmm. vetting the mm-hmm. uh, ideas took just an incredible amount of time. We have been able to put together a uh, solid staff on the MetCare side, and so I'm not as hands-on as I was, say, in 2016 okay. uh, through 2018. Uh, we have a person who's has a contract with us who is our basically a project director who was the deputy chief of staff for DC public schools for mm-hmm. seven years. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows how to open a school and run a school, it's uh, this young woman. Her name is Lisa. And uh, we've been able to keep her uh, on. And so she helps on the operational side, keeps things going. Uh, we had an incredible uh, executive director, Ashley Phillipson, and she uh, led the organization for a little more than a year. She's a Teach for America alum. Uh, she taught in Houston and helped to run uh, a charter school down there. Uh, she did such a great job that uh, that our mayor identified her work and uh, and and hired her from us. I have let him know on more than one occasion uh, that uh, I was not very happy about that. Uh-huh. But she's doing a great work in the mayor's office, okay. uh, and, and okay. to some extent, it's related to the kind of work that uh, she did for us at the MetCares Foundation. So we have uh, a great interim uh, executive director uh, who's uh, keeping things going. So I say that to say that at this point, I'm actually able to give more of my time, you know, to the work that uh, I was called to do here with the church. But for me, you know, Gary, I see this as an extension. I mean, this, I mean, the church supports my involvement in the MetCares Vision. In fact, the church lends its support to the MetCare's vision. We see this as uh, as an extension of our ministry. Uh, our members volunteer hours. Uh, the church gives uh, money to the work uh, every year. We're 
there for school board meetings when it's time for the renewal of GLA. So it's very much, you know, a project the church holds uh, near and dear to our understanding of what it means to do ministry. But we were very intentional also about making sure that this city sees the mm-hmm. Metcare's work mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. bigger than the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. In fact, our board is made up of most of the members of the board are not members of the church. The staff at GLA, I think there are two or three who are members of the church because we wanted this to be something that the whole community mm-hmm. owned. And, and mm-hmm. I think that has been uh, that has been the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't hear you say this was yeah. a parochial yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. right. You wanted to make sure yeah. this was a community-based yep. school, and I'm also hearing such a high congruence between the the themes of black excellence yep. and entrepreneurship uh, in what the church did. Yep. Promoting black excellence yeah. and entrepreneur because because yeah. you definitely took on uh, an, an entrepreneurial yeah. task yeah. in uh, starting this school. Yeah. Ray, I'm really glad you came in. Yeah. I think this is such a fabulous project. Thank and, you. Uh, I th- think there are a lot of us looking to see yeah. you know how this works yeah. out and and hopeful that more religious organizations will also yeah. see themselves as contributing to the larger fabric of the community by doing something like this. If somebody wants to know more about either the Met or Greenwood Leadership Academy, where should they go? Yep, meet us at metcaresfoundation.org. That will give you the website for the Metcares Foundation, and it'll have aspects of all the different work streams that we're engaged in. But if you're specifically interested in the Greenwood Leadership Academy, we have there, all you have to do is Google or go to www.greenwoodleadershipacademy.org. Greenwoodleadershipacademy.org will get you uh, to the school. And there is always information about jobs uh, that are, are available uh, in the building and what's happening with our kids, uh, ways that you can give either your financial resources or the gift of your time, which mm-hmm. is the probably uh, greatest need there. there. We have good. a great program. We partner with Reading Partners uh-huh. and um, uh-huh. Reading Partners trains volunteers to come into Greenwood Leadership Academy and read uh, for one hour uh, a week uh, with one of our students. It is one of the most rewarding things I think an adult can do. Reverend Dr. Ray Owens, thanks so much for coming over today and taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to talk with me. Yeah, this has been fun. Yep. Thanks. Same. All right. This has been Committing Faith in Public, a podcast from the Religion and Public Life Initiative at Phillips Theological Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Copyright PTS and Gary Peluso-Verden. The views and opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual's and do not necessarily reflect an official position of Phillips Theological Seminary.